It's the Gate 13 Podcast. We're talking about Stanford football. I'm Isaac. And I'm Eric. It's an emergency podcast. The season is over following a 35-26 loss to BYU. Stanford finishes 3-9 overall. The big news came immediately after the game when Coach Shaw announced his resignation. We'll take some time to consider Shaw's legacy and reminisce about the many, many highlights of the last 12 years. And then, let's get excited and talk about what happens next. You got your wish list ready? I keep hearing about this one guy at some school in the South. Nick something? Sounds pretty promising. So, after our loss to BYU... David Shaw came to his press conference and announced his resignation from the university. It yeah. was sort of there were uh, the press conferences are all live on the Stanford Athletics YouTube page. And it was taking a very long time for him to come out. I think it was like an hour or something before he actually yeah. came out. And then one of I uh, saw um, like one of the Stanford like reporters uh, from Rivals or something posts on Twitter that hearing sources that he was telling the players that he was resigning. Them. Yeah. So there was lots in the locker room uh, about did that. He, did he resign from the university entirely or is it just as I, head coach? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll find that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also don't know like if it was immediate. I, I think it was yeah. not. Cause so that was Saturday night after the game, which was also uh, hilariously, I saw somebody like, oh, in the dead of night, and was like, the football game ended at midnight. <laughs> just, like, what did you think? His yeah, other yeah. option was Sunday morning. Like, night, what right. you want? I mean, uh, I had gone to bed, so I didn't <laughs> find out about it until the next morning. But, like, yeah, uh, it was, it's not the dead of night exactly. It's just, yeah. it's when the game his, ended. Yeah. His post game press conference. Um, but, yeah, it was, I mean, he seemed uh, maybe somewhat emotional during the press conference, but was also, I think, his, he didn't, he didn't say anything specific triggered it. it was not uh i didn't comment on whether university had pushed him to resign or anything like that i think he as he said uh he and his wife decided it was time uh to move on talked a lot he, about he did oh, say it was ahead. just that week uh yes that like he wasn't planning on that until like the week of thanksgiving which kind of tells us that um that there maybe wasn't any pressure on him uh, in the sense of like no one has no one like in the weeks leading up to the BYU game was telling him fix this or you're out or putting any pressure. So unless that week someone told him, now nah, we're going to fire you <laughs> at the end of the season. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They were really spring it on him. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we, I mean, we should uh, like he, he is the most successful coach in Stanford football history objectively you know like he 96 wins in 12 years 96 and 54 record uh and uh, you know obviously a lot of those losses coming in the last four years like he had a like a spectacular record as a head football coach uh for quite a long time winning his coach in Stanford history the ninth most wins in conference history including pack eight pack 10 pack 12 uh, <laughs> I appreciate the note here. Uh, that would be eighth if uh, if you go ahead and vacate Pete Carroll's uh, wins. Um, <laughs> so officially the eighth most wins. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and that includes five Pac-12 North titles. Uh, several of them shared, but um, still uh, we got into the Pac-12 championship game four times. Won it three times in 2012, 2013, 2015. 
Um, and I mean, I remember the going to the um, Pac-12 championship game in 2012. It was the like crazy year where Hogan ends up being quarterback and we beat Oregon and it's a shocker. And then, you know, we're going to play to go to the Rose Bowl. What that? What? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. After everything that's happened this year, we're going to play to go to a Rose Bowl. And then we did. Um, just like, you know, the, uh, incredible experiences as as Stanford fans during during that time. Um, I mean, we went to bowl games every year. You know, yeah. for for a while there, yeah, eight eight straight bowl games. Uh, so including the the three Rose Bowls, the Fiesta Bowl, uh, before before the first Rose Bowl, uh, Alamo Bowl, the year that we lost the conference championship in mm. twenty seventeen, two Sun Bowls, and a Foster Farms Bowl. Yeah, uh, sadly, weren't able to, weren't able to sneak a Sugar Bowl in there, but uh, <laughs> it's still nor, like nor I a mean, Gasparilla is, Bowl or uh, you know, I think. This was a run, obviously, like Harbaugh with the Orange Bowl sort of started, or even the Sun Bowl. But like, I don't, I, I don't think either of us or any Stanford fan could ever have imagined a run of bowl games like this. Right. Uh, I mean, if you figure that Stanford, I, I don't know. Going back further, I'm not sure Stanford coaches that won went to more Rose Bowls, but yeah, we went to one in 2000. We went to two in the early 70s under yep. John Ralston and like so I going to three Rose Bowls in four years I I don't think that's happened <laughs> yeah no often. that's if, in, if in, ever, in the modern like, game too that's yeah. incredible yeah uh yeah and the depth I mean, of where the program was it's just that's uh it's amazing it was and it was just like very special to be able to experience that um yeah. and unexpected for, compared to like when back when we were in school <laughs> which is early 2000s you know the the buddy years the walt years um the really, uh, I mean, yeah it, it like was, I was just such of, a low i was i followed stanford football before that and and even then the, you know the the good years of of denny green and bill walsh and tyrone willingham in the 90s of like going to a bowl game every other year was yeah. kind of a standard and like, Oh, that's pretty good. And then we went to the one Rose bowl and yeah. uh, 2000 was like, this is amazing. Sanford's going to the Rose bowl. Yeah. But uh, like, maybe that's the only time in your lifetime. That yeah, that's gonna happen. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Where like the peak would be to win a, a sun bowl against Michigan state. Yeah. Um, <laughs> blood or to like, or to like go to a, you know, a blockbuster bowl or whatever. It's yes. kind of the, uh, uh yeah, I think the, which is the, why, the, you know yeah. we in in 2009 we went happily to the Sun Bowl as like oh yeah we're going to a bowl game this we is might never, never go gonna, again we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, I think we can also highlight Shaw's individual award so he was the four time Pac-12 Coach of the Year in 11, 12, 15, and 2017. Uh, he was also the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year, uh, a, a national award that include takes into account. Um, not just on field performance, but also community and academic and all of that. That was in 2017. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, well recognized by right. the rest of the conference. I would, I mean, in, in the last 12 years, is that the most coach of the year awards? Maybe. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine I who's, who would like have won more be. during that time. Yeah. Yeah. So many coaches have left during that time. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. Like who's, who's still around from, from 2011. Um, that was another remarkable thing is just like the longevity. And it was clear from when he first took the job that like he wanted to be 
kind of the, the you know, the Bo Schembechler or, or, you know, um, Joe Paterno or whatever, and just be there forever. And, um, I think after those first five years, six years or so, everybody was pretty cool with that. You know, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I think there were people who were kind of down on coach Shaw from the start. Um, there's, you know, there was always kind of the discussion of like how much of this is just like Harbaugh's guys that Shaw took and won games with. And I think that there's an argument to be made there that like some of the guys like that, the, the culture was kind of forged during those Harbaugh years and peaked at the Orange Bowl and Fiesta Bowl and everything and kind of faded over time. Certainly the evidence suggests that. But I think it's also, um, it should also be said that not every team goes 12 and one and then changes coaches and then remains at that high of a level yeah. for years after afterward. It's very easy to take a, a really solid program with a strong culture and tank it happens all the time. You know, teams yeah. go to the natty and then the next thing is they're terrible. You know, like Florida state, you know, won a national championship and then they've been through like four different coaches in the, yeah. you know, eight or nine years since. So like it's, it's not automatic to take over a team that wins an orange bowl and then go to three Rose bowls after that and a fiesta bowl. So, um, you have to like, I, I, I kind of think that we, we feel like you have to give some credit a lot of credit to to Shaw yeah. for maintaining that level for as long as he did. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I think we see people hear people talk about like, Oh, it was all Harbaugh is all Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh hasn't been the coach at Stanford since 2010. Like <laughs> a lot has happened in that time, including a lot of success. And you can't just give it all to the guy who hasn't been here in a long time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, as much as in the last couple of seasons we were like, okay, something's really got to change here. Um, I think we also recognize that David Shaw has been a great coach yeah. at, at Stanford. There's no question about it. Um, we should say, like, his record uh, versus our main rivals is like pretty damn good uh, by Stanford historical standards. Nine and three against Cal. Um, three of those losses have come in the last four years, of course. Yeah. So it was a very long winning streak against Cal. It looked like we were never going to lose to them. Uh, seven and six against USC. When's the last time that we had a coach that was that good against USC? Um, and how, how many other teams in, in any period in the last 30 years have had uh, an over 500 record against USC in right. 12 season against the dominant force in the, in the conference. Yeah. Uh, six and five against Notre Dame, um, including some like really, uh, amazing wins. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's the win this year that, that yeah. sends him out above 500. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that win being so amazing, but take it. Uh, and then, you know, there's the classic Kings of California, um, where we want to win. We're playing the other three California schools. We want to win all three or at least do better than, than they do within that kind of like mini league of the conference. And we did it eight times in 12 years. We were the best team in California. Um, which, you know, when you look at USC and UCLA potentially being powerhouses, uh, and Cal traditionally being kind of like on our level, that's pretty good domination uh, during that time frame. Yeah. Um, check out kingsof.ca if you want to you want to see the uh, historical the, records going back forever. Record, right. That's right. Yeah, all the way to the back. Um, <laughs> so a lot of a lot of highlights for sure. Obviously, also um, a bunch of guys being Heisman runner-ups. Like somebody yeah. should have won one in there, but 
Uh, Luck was a, a Heisman runner-up. McCaffrey, Love. This is like unheard of from <laughs> from back when when we were in school. The idea of having players who were that outstanding that they were being recognized with that. Um, just some pretty incredible years, a golden age really of Stanford football. And it's the kind of thing that made us even like really embrace Stanford football even more than we had when we sucked. Certainly. Um, it became a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Um, the reason we started this podcast and ruined the football team by (laughs) starting the podcast, uh, I suppose we can, I mean, if we want, do we want to talk about the lowlights or, or How we, things I, we, we thought? Maybe we don't really need to, you know, because <laughs> we've been kind of talking about lowlights for the last couple of seasons, really. Yeah. It's been a lot of lowlights. Everybody kind of knows, uh, you know, we finished three and nine this season, three and nine last season, four and eight in 2019. Um, and it's sort of what we've been talking about, right? It's been complacency. The program just kind of slipped away and the magic ran out. You know, yeah, and I think some, you know, we talked about the not making staff changes of like, could could this have been extended more if we'd been like, look, we're going to change defensive coordinator, or bring in new offensive coordinators, maybe, you know, sort maybe. of what what Brian Kelly had done at Notre Dame a few years ago when when he was on the chopping block, yeah, um, but who knows. Uh, I think also in recruiting, we, there's some some years where it feels like oh they took recruiting off. Uh, we're like, you know, has small class or not well-regarded class, but then follow on with a year where we have a top 20 class again. And obviously I think overall David Child's recruiting, we didn't really talk about this before, but the, the recruiting rankings of Stanford's classes in the last 12 years are, I think also sort of un, unheard of yeah. in Stanford history, getting guys like the, the year that we got Walker Little and Foster Sorrell, who I think were like, two of the top five players in the country kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like maybe a little bit of that has slipped recently, but yeah, yeah I think there's, there's a very good article on sort of the complacency in the Stanford football program on the athletic. Yeah. Very good <laughs> the, article. Yeah. The, yeah. Go, go read that. If you want to hear <laughs> the reasons for uh, the, the decline in, in Shaw at Stanford. But I think uh, at least for both of us, we are not so old and crotchety to like be mad at Shaw for <laughs> no. his his tenure at Stanford and no and I think are very thankful what he was able to do over the past decade. Absolutely. Yeah. And by all accounts, he is he's a, a good guy. He represents the the best things about college football and the best things about student athletes and um, he wants the best for his players and his staff, and um, that's just great, you know. In a in a kind of a cutthroat business, obviously, it's like wins and losses that end up really um, ruling the day. But um, to to like he he won a lot of games, and he did it with character, and he did it being an excellent representative of the university. And, um, did it clean, you know, did it in a, like a lot of programs just like have to cheat their way to the top. And that was not what this program was about and what coach Shaw has been about. And, um, so yeah, I mean, thankful is a good word for it. Like we've, we've been very fortunate as fans of a formerly downtrodden program (laughs) to be able to experience some pretty incredible highs of, of college football. So, um, definitely thankful. Yep. So 
let's look ahead. Uh, this is pretty exciting. We're, we're going to hire a new head coach. This is great. Um, so there's been uh, a bit of discourse swirling around for a while um, about how um, about things about football at Stanford. Should there be a program at all? Stanford's too hard a, a, a coaching job. I know you have strong opinions about that. So, um, what do you what do you think of that? <laughs> I, well, I mean, you were around in the mid two thousands when this exact same conversation happened every year, right? Like when Stanford was bad, and it was like, oh, it's impossible. Stanford should get rid of their football program. No one can win at Stanford. Yeah. Academic require the recruits have to take the SAT. No one's going to go to Stanford. <laughs> uh, and then, like Harbaugh comes, and within four years we're in PCS bowls and then we're in Rose bowls. And like, yeah. I, I don't know how, like, okay. So now like, instead of they've now replaced the like, Oh, recruiting standards. Now you say NIL instead of recruiting standards, yeah. but one transfers, right. Like, I don't know. I mean, you can look at the one, the, in the past few weeks, actually coaches, uh, both Shaw and Muir have talked about, um, working on trying to ease some of that. So having, uh, trying to make it a little easier to get some transfers in. And, uh, I think they've also talked about NIL programs, which Stanford actually already has. <laughs> there are lots of Stanford athletes, not on the football team that have NIL deals. Yeah. Uh, I think Stanford <laughs> women's basketball player, Haley Jones has some deal with Nike. I think the, uh, woman on the Stanford golf team that won the NCAA championship last year, I think has some big deal with Adidas. Like, yeah, it's not companies can give Stanford players money. <laughs> yeah. it's, we're not Stanford's special. Not we're not outliers. On, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I didn't like, you can also look at, I think what I'm always like, Oh, Stanford's too hard to get good players. And you can look at the 24 seven, the recruiting website does a talent composite where they like, look at the entire roster and look at the, star rating the like composite star ratings of all the players on the roster and Stanford's still in the top 25 there. They're like the third most talented by that metric in the conference. And maybe that's a flawed metric, but that still is okay. So maybe instead of top 25 talent, they're top 40 talent or top 50 talent. Like they still have more talented roster (laughs) than schools that are doing plenty well in FBS football. Right. Um, I think we've also talked about how like people saying Stanford is too hard a job. I'm like, is this a harder job than half of I, any group of five school for one? Yeah, but yeah. then also like, I don't know. I don't think it's a harder job than Washington State or Oregon State or Rutgers or yeah. Purdue or Virginia Maryland, or Duke. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what is the? Who are all these? where are all these jobs that are way easier than Stanford? Yeah. And how do all those coaches not get fired? Cause they're failing. <laughs> yeah. If this job is that hard, we have had, I mean, <laughs> David Shaw is the greatest coach of all time. Put him in the college the, football hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is it, like, it's, in my, it's in, ridiculous, yeah. I don't see any reason based on the landscape of college football that Stanford is any less able to compete now than they were. 10, 20 years ago. Right. Uh, the the so. value proposition of Stanford University is the same. It's 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 what it was. Uh the uh it's it's an attractive place to come to school. Like this is we've had this level of of talent on the composite rankings, even without like the same level of like insane 
like workaholic recruiting that a lot of programs do. This is a lot of like guys who are already predisposed to come to Stanford who have found Stanford. And, um, we still end up with like, you know, top half of the conference kind of talent. I don't know why that's so impossible. Yeah. <laughs> that that doesn't sound impossible. Also the point of like, we have like one, one of the top 10, top 20 highest paid coaches in the country, which used to be right. the, in the two thousands, it was like, ah, oh, Stanford's never going to pay a coaching staff enough. And then it was like, they pay a co- <laughs> Yeah, they do. They've yeah, got we plenty will. of yeah. money. Right. <laughs> that's not a problem yeah. at Stanford. So it's like, I there's, we can poach coaches by offering $3 million more than they make somewhere else. Yeah. Money is Uh, not a problem. Finding like having like good kids who aren't going to get into a ton of trouble is not going to be a problem. Like you're going to have, you're going to have support. It's a low pressure job. Like no one's going to be calling for your head after a couple of bad seasons. Like they won't like it took a while for everybody to kind of say, okay, it's time to move on from the Shaw era. It's been four uncompetitive seasons, you know, and like, even then it was sort of like, we figured he was still going to, he was still going to be here. So it's a low pressure job. If you succeed, you know, people are going to love you. If you don't succeed, you're going to have a pretty long leash to, to try to write the ship. You know, it's not that, it's not that hard of a job. I mean, it's, it's a hard job. They're all like any, but they're all hard. Power five college football head coaching job is going to be a hard job. But like, it's like you said, it's not a harder job than, uh, you know, Iowa state or something like that. It's like, this is, this is a a pretty good job. So anyway, let's move on from that. And let's talk about when we're actually looking for a new coach. What are the things that we, that we as, you know, idiot (laughs) fans who, who talk in the microphones, what is it that we care about? If we're hanging out at the tailgate or in the stadium and we're just like bantering about this stuff, what are the things that we want to see from our head coach? What do you think? Uh, I mean, in terms of like what I think I, we talked a little bit earlier and some of the things that have fallen off were sort of the, uh, feels like there's less of a competitive mindset culture in the team, yeah. maybe. Um, I think part of that starts with recruiting of like really getting out there and, and fighting for recruits, but also finding, finding recruits that are, you know, maybe on the margins or something from yeah. a getting into Stanford or, something like that, identifying them. I think that's something that Harbaugh, uh, when he started in early Shaw, they were very good at his gang guys that we would not consider as like guys who would come to Stanford to yeah. uh, come here. And so I think that's sort of relentless recruiting. I think part of that also has to come from the AD of making sure that there are resources in the entire recruiting organization to, right. to, to enable that. Right. It's actually one of the things maybe we, maybe we'll get into a little bit later, but like Lance Anderson is, heavily involved in Stanford's recruiting system yeah. and like well yeah. maybe if he's not retained as defensive coordinator can you give him like a, a front office job kind of thing <laughs> yeah. being director uh, of recruiting or whatever something yeah. like that yeah uh what, what else are we what else are we looking for well i think we've seen in the last few years what happens when you have kind of complacency on the staff of like the offense isn't succeeding the defense isn't succeeding do changes need to be made here and what happens when changes aren't made so obviously we want a really good head coach, but we also need really good coordinators too. And yeah. we need, for instance, an offensive coordinator. It was really interesting reading that um, that Stuart Mandel article in the Athletic, where I think it was in there. It mentioned that David Shaw called his own plays. Like, what do you need an offensive coordinator for? Like, wouldn't it be better to have an <laughs> offensive coordinator who has freedom to just like grow crazy and 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 
try things and innovate and like put a really solid offense on the field. Um, so hiring outstanding people for those positions is, seems, seems pretty key. So like bring in a coach that has the right, you know, contacts in his phone that he can reach out and have people who want to work for him on that staff. Um, of course, at this point, we don't know who is staying on staff. If anybody's staying, that's like still a mystery to us, but hiring outstanding people at those positions is key. And like, yeah, maybe they're not going to stay for more than a couple of years because they're good enough that they would then move on to a head coaching job or whatever. But you have to be competitive at those at those coordinator positions. Um, and then the other thing was also mentioned in the athletic article and it's been talked about a ton, you know, on message boards and I think probably on Twitter threads and this kind of thing is strength and conditioning seems like it's kind of fallen off from the, the Turley years. Um, and getting that back up to 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 where it needs to be, um, so that we can win in the trenches again, like we used to, and and that kind of thing, and like that that seems like it's just been missing. That seems like a really key thing to be to to be hiring for, and so like really making sure that there's a head coach who's going to spend a lot of time focused on that. Um, do we care at all if the coach has like a West Coast connection? I feel like that comes up a lot in. The, the conversations that are going on right now, it's like, oh, this guy has a California connection. This guy went to school in California. Um, do we do we care about that? I, oh, do I, you? I assume that's a thing that is relevant in terms of would they actually come coach here? And then sure, yeah. maybe a little bit in the like, are they going to stay here or are they going to want to move back to wherever they're from or something right. like that? But right. it's obviously like not, <laughs> it's obviously not a requirement. There are plenty of coaches you coach in uh, all over the country who are yeah. not from where, uh, where do they coach? Right. Uh, we was joking about Lane Kiffin as a, an option. Lane Kiffin <laughs> went to, he went to Fresno state and grew up, uh, went to high school outside Minneapolis. What the <laughs> hell's, what's he doing in Oxford, Mississippi? <laughs> he probably come here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, so like, I don't know how relevant that is. I think there's one aspect. I think lots of schools would say like, Oh, recruiting, like if you're a California school, Gotta do lots of your recruiting in California, so having connections to um, like high school coaches here is maybe useful. Except sure. that, as we know, Stanford, because of its sort of unique situation, recruits all over the country. So a guy yeah. who's got yeah. connections to high schools in suburban Georgia is no and at no disadvantage to someone from California. Right, right, right. Yep, exactly. Um, and then we have the note that we were trying to think of before recording of whether we want a guy with a defensive background and yeah. we can't remember if Stanford has had a defensive, like a, a head coach with a defensive background. Right. Ever. We were, we were trying I, to go back. Through. We went, we went back pretty far uh, and we didn't identify anybody. We didn't go, we probably didn't go far enough. Um, but definitely within our time as fans, they've only been offensive coaches. That seems to be kind of what, Stanford does, you know, you hire a former quarterback, a former offensive coordinator, um, that was, you know, Willingham, Tevens, Harris, Harbaugh, Shaw, all offensive guys, um, might be interesting to have a head coach with a defensive background. Might be interesting to get a guy who's been a successful defensive coordinator, um, especially given how bad the defense has been, uh, for the last four years, like the offense has had some good good moments in the last couple of years. 
in the last few the last few years. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, this year, I mean, I, <laughs> like four years ago. Yeah, the defense has bad for a, been bad for a very long time. Yeah. Um. So maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to have to kind of change things up and have a guy from the defensive side. But I, I think in terms of like what do we care about, like uh, that's not for us. Like you know, top of the list or whatever. Yeah, it's it's could, more a curiosity than yeah. Than, uh, yeah. a requirement uh so then what do we care what do we think muir cares about i think yeah, yeah stanford like <laughs> is, director is muir yeah is there so like we care about strength and conditioning <laughs> what does yeah. muir care about i, I, I think he's going to care about somebody who's going to like represent the university well which coach shaw has done uh you know very very ably uh coach who avoids violations recruiting violations a coach who like keeps the, the 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 team clean and does things the right way and presents himself well to the stanford community and to the public and everything that's probably gonna be high on the top on the list yeah, yeah that's probably gonna be a, a, a big thing but then i think there's also uh it, it can't have eluded mirror and the rest of the ad and the rest of the university how much interest has been lost in the football team and maybe Stanford athletics in general, because of it, there's a lot of, there are a lot of fans and donors and season ticket holders to win back. Uh, The stadium was empty this year. And I think Muir is going to care about bringing those people back, like generating some excitement, or at least he should, you know, there should be, this shouldn't just be kind of like a, you know, a hire that's like kind of a safe hire. Like he needs to get people excited about this football program again. And, um, so hopefully that's something that he's he's going to have in mind. Like who's going to excite people? Who's going to get people who just dropped their season tickets to call back and say, okay, I'm in again. Um, and then of course, like <laughs> we need to be able to field a competitive team. <laughs> like you, you've said in the past that, that you can pay. baseline requirement for any coaching. <laughs> I mean, you could pay any dummy $500,000 to suck at football. Like you need to actually find somebody. <laughs> I'll, who's I'll do it good. for less than that. If we don't yeah. need to win. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So I, I think those are the, those are the things he'll be looking at. I, I wonder how much he's going to be looking at like Stanford connections, people who are, have familiarity with the school or with the admissions process or whatever. And, um, what I would say is if we're talking about the things that we as fans don't care about, I know that I don't care at all if the guy has a Stanford connection. <laughs> even a little bit. Like it's not interesting to me. I would almost prefer it if it's somebody who doesn't have the Stanford connection so that they won't come into it with the idea of like, oh, Stanford is this like, you know, kind of easy laid back place where it's like this, you know, I'm a little bit tired of the like the Stanford men, you know, concept that like Shaw is always yeah. talking about like, oh, these are Stanford men. They don't need to be motivated. You know, they they come here like on their own. They choose this place on their own. Like I'm pretty tired of that. Cause like, I don't know, I guess like I'm a Stanford man, like I'm an alum and it sounds pretty dumb to me. So, uh, <laughs> I, like, I, I don't think that that's really like a, I don't, I don't, I feel like that's not really a selling point. You know, I, I also, I, that is I like, we see it on some of the Stanford message boards very frequently that, uh, certain Stanford alums would say they hate Shaw and want Shaw fired. And then we'll suggest a bunch of like <laughs> other Stanford grads yeah. or former Stanford coaches <laughs> as like options for being head coach. And yeah. like, what? And it's, there's not, is, I don't, it's this weird, I don't, maybe every school is like this that like their alums think that like, oh, a guy with a connection to the university is who we have to hire. And like, yeah. Stanford hasn't done that for most of its hires. Like, yeah. Harbaugh we, had no connections at all. 
Yeah, Harbaugh yeah. didn't. I don't. I mean, it's, as far as I know, Buddy Tevens and Will Harris didn't either. No, those um, are connections to Ted Leland, I think. Yeah, but that's it. Our, yeah. our basketball. I mean, you know, we complain about Muir and complain about our basketball team and passing on this podcast. But Jared Haas, I, he went to Cal and went to Kansas. I don't think he had any Stanford no. connections. Yeah, um, I know. So, and lots of other recent hires in the athletic department unrelated to Stanford. I think that um, we have a very successful women's volleyball team. Our longtime coach retired a few years ago and his replacement was a very successful women's volleyball coach in the big 10. Didn't have anything to do Stanford. He was a good volleyball coach. That's yeah, why he got right. hired. Yeah. Uh, so like, the, hopefully the AD does not care about this. And it's just some weird old alumni thing to think. Yeah. It's, you it's, an it's alumni. really, it's like a weird, like irritating arrogance it feels like, you yeah. know, like, I don't know, it's Stanford. It has kind of this like air of arrogance about it. Do we really need to lean into it that much? <laughs> you know, like, do we have to like yeah. amp that up and say that it's important to us to maintain this like bubble of like who, who belongs here and who doesn't, who fits in and who doesn't like forget that hire somebody who can coach the damn football team, <laughs> you know, hire somebody who's going to win some games. Like, they will they will learn what it's like like if you need to if it's like so concerning oh they know what the academics or whatever like they know what the the um the admissions process is like just have a meeting for like an hour and talk <laughs> through the admissions pro- like this isn't that hard you can you can give them an assistant who knows how this yeah, right like <laughs> this is it, it, the idea that it has to be somebody with a stanford connection is just lunacy to me it doesn't have to be it just needs to be somebody who is capable and um, I really hope that that's not high high on the yeah. list for for yeah. here. And like in it, by that token, there's been some discussion that like he might hear he might care a lot about what like Elway or Andrew Luck or John Lynch or like all you know all these like former Stanford players think. And I I don't know about you, but like I don't care what they think. I don't think that that should be <laughs> like just they were good at playing football. It's not interesting I to mean, me what they think is good for hiring the next at, Stanford at least coach. in the case of people like John Lynch and John Elway, they are currently football executives. And as a 49ers fan, I've been very happy with Lynch's performance as <laughs> okay. our general manager. So like if he wants to ask John Lynch for like suggestions, I'm not opposed to that. But I think just like going to former Stanford players. I mean, Andrew Luck is like a good example of like, I love Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is getting a master's in architecture or whatever. Like he yeah. has, what, I, he he's not a football administrator. Right. Yes. Right. If he wants to ask Oliver Luck, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's different. Um, we love so Andrew then, Luck. We don't want him guiding the, the football search. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if he wants to be like a quarterback coach, we can start him there. And, <laughs> um, I think I, another, we mentioned this a little bit, but, uh, I know this has come up. I've seen it on message boards as well. Uh, are there any assistants on our staff that you think are worth keeping in an assistant coach role? Not talking about promoting them. We'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But yeah, I, th- I think the name that's probably that I, I think we've seen quite a bit is is Lance. Uh, you know, but not yeah. as defensive coordinator because of the recruiting that we mentioned. Because he's been like a tireless worker on the recruiting side, um, and obviously, like we are not insiders of any kind. We have no connections to the football team or the athletic department. We have no idea how Lance Anderson spends his day to day. All we have to go on is like, you know, what we, what we see um, discussed and written about. Um, So, I mean, that, that seems to be like one of the things that kind of keeps Stanford football recruiting going is Lance Anderson's hard work. Um, You know, there's also been 
you know, a lot said about the LDS pipeline. He yeah. has, you know, been part of that. It's not like half our team is LDS or anything, but like there have been some important players who've come through that pipeline. Um, so if I, I wonder if it's like, if that's a thing that he really wants to continue focusing on and driving for Stanford, like maybe there should be a, a role for him doing that. But I think in terms of the product on the field, the defense hasn't been good enough um, with, with him. Do you, have you heard anything else about uh, other other assistants? Not about whether other assistants would be kept. I think I was sort of <laughs> trying to think about, are there any assistants that I think like I would want on our staff going forward? I would, I think the only name that like, I, I've seen actually lots of people saying that Bobby Kennedy, the wide receivers coach is one that they would keep. Um, although I feel like our wide receivers underperformed yeah. <laughs> this year, but our <laughs> wide receiver recruiting has been much stronger than That's it has true. been yeah. sort of ever. Um, I think before this season, I would have said Pete Alomar, if we were going to have a special teams coach, our special teams has been very good since he's been coach on all aspects of it, punting, kicking, punt coverage, uh, punt returning until this year yeah. when <laughs> all of that seemed to regress except for the kicking. Um, and so that makes me hesitant even with that. But like, I don't think this is certainly not a situation where I would be like disappointed if a new coach came and cleaned house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And um, kind of start over on the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we, do we want to get into head coaches? Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> this is well, fun. I'm, let's talk about, let's we name will, names. We'll yeah. <laughs> preface this with, we know nothing about who would coach her. We know nothing about coaching football. <laughs> we, we know nothing uh, whatsoever yeah. don't know who anyone is thinking about um but let's, let's start with the easy part who do we for sure not want to be the head coach of Stanford football yeah I, I think you know like we were just saying kind of starting over fresh is probably a good idea and so bringing back names from the last 12 years or keeping names around from the last 12 years seems like a bad idea that seems like that kind of carries over like continuity is a good thing. Continuity of teams that have won a team that's won 14 games in four years, maybe not a good thing. So um, I think we got to say we would prefer if they don't hire Tavita Pritchard as the head coach. <laughs> By all accounts, a nice guy. Everybody loves him. But like, I think we don't want that. The, the uh, fear of Stanford fans is that Shaw was resigning so that Tavita could become head yeah. coach. I think, which I think is probably how Shaw had drawn it up for like 20 years from now. Savita comes back from being the head coach at whatever important, you know, championship winning team to become the head coach at Stanford when Shaw resigns. Um, But also probably for Tavita's career, like go and like succeed someplace else and the Stanford job will be there down the road. Um, You know, he's been at Stanford forever. Now's the time to go and do something else. So yeah. Go on, go <laughs> go do something else. Um, other other names that have come up as like uh, from from you know the the glory years. Derek Mason, uh, former defensive coordinator, went to Vanderbilt. Did not do very well at Vanderbilt. And I think kind of what we're thinking there is like we would prefer to have a to have a coach come in who has a track record of success at maybe at the FCS level, but or at the FBS level, but like kind of the track record of no success at all <laughs> doesn't feel great um so i think we're kind of low on on that uh and then another one is is pep hamilton who was the offensive coordinator uh back in what 2011 2012 yep. um and has since bounced around in a few different jobs he was with the colts and now he's the offensive coordinator for the houston texans 
who like <laughs> God bless Davis Mills. That Texans offense is awful. Uh, yeah, I think he Pep was hired, and I think the Texans offense went from awful to somehow even more awful. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that team is just so terrible. Like that would be really a bad. <laughs> really bad choice uh in terms of hiring someone from for track record yeah, that's I like that ever connection who cares like no not good we enough. could also yeah. say mason is currently the defensive coordinator at oklahoma state he had been the defensive coordinator at auburn apparently oklahoma state's defense also got worse this yeah year. uh i think uh, also a similar vein mike bloomgren is our like uh, run game coordinator and offensive line coach for a while went to become head coach at rice a few years ago and I think just got fired. <laughs> Did he? Was about to be fired? Something like that. <laughs> That's the word uh, is that he might. I think he's still which, there right now. But uh, uh, obviously Rice is a very hard place to win. So it was Vanderbilt no. when Mason went there. But like. I, I, they, no, they have they've had a losing record every every year. Yeah. He has 16 wins in five years. So no. no. Don't need that. <laughs> Yeah, if a track record of not succeeding is not really, you know, just because he's <laughs> been a head coach. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, so Vic Fangio's name gets thrown around a lot, which I always think is funny because he is, uh, I think he has coached in college, at least in the last 30 years or something, one year. And it was the one year <laughs> he was our defensive coordinator before going to the 49ers with Harbaugh, he had been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Before that, he has since been defensive coordinator places in the NFL. Yep. It's just like, why is this? I don't. One, I'm, he doesn't seem to have any interest in coaching college football. But also, yep. like somebody with no college football experience is not high on my list because, yeah. like, there's a lot of aspects of college football, mostly around recruiting, that are very different from coaching in the NFL. Right. And we're right. like. If you're not interested in that, like we said, recruiting is one of our top things we're looking for. I'm not interested. He's uh, also 64, and like, yeah, the the level of of effort and energy required on the recruiting trail to be successful, it, like, I, I, you know, 64 is is getting up there in uh, in coaching years, and uh, so that would be a pretty tall ask for him. Um, and then also Willie Taggart, uh, was recently fired by Florida Atlantic. Um, <laughs> he has bounced around a lot. He had been, um, the running backs coach, uh, at Stanford, uh, in the early Harbaugh years. And then he was at Western Kentucky and then South Florida. And then in quick succession, Oregon, Florida state and Florida Atlantic. And he was just let go from Florida Atlantic kind of, uh, <laughs> interesting uh series of seasons he's basically been employed as a head coach every year since 2010 um but it mostly hasn't gone very well so i really hope that just because he has some stanford connection that he's not going to be uh necessarily on on the list Um, it's funny he's a funny one because i feel like when he was like at western kentucky and being pretty successful I would have been like, oh, if we were looking for a new coach now, yeah, I mean, he, right. and then it's just been all, all downhill since. Well, he, he was he was okay at Western Kentucky. That's he was true. okay enough to get hired at South Florida, and then was like South Florida was actually yeah. pretty good at the point that he and left. Very turn turn them around, yeah. right? And he parlayed that into the Oregon job. Anyway, <laughs> which he then left after Willie one Taggart. year. Florida <laughs> yeah, State gave him like a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. So that's okay. So that's that's a bunch of names that were like, okay, we don't want 
these guys on the list from your, please don't hire them. Um, but uh, so now let's, let's talk about guys who, uh, have kind of come up as possibilities who maybe we would have some interest in. Um, and, uh, so we'll include people on here who we've seen written about on the athletic or ESPN or like talked about on message boards or whatever. Um, some of whom we know some things about, some of them we don't really know. Uh, <laughs> let's start with let's start with guys who have uh, FBS head coaching experience with some level of success. The first name that has come up for everybody, I think, is Chris Peterson. Um, so formerly at Washington, prior to that, Boise State took Washington to the playoff. Uh, ended up leaving Washington a few years ago. Kind of, you know, I guess it, I don't know if it was a burnout. Um, yeah, has been. I think most most recently is basically working as an analyst, yeah, Enjo- enjoying his semi. Like you know, obviously, I think he said it was health reasons. Obviously, it was Washington was successful when he was there. Yeah. Um, yes, this this seems like the dream hire according to most people, uh, and the the first call Stanford should make. Apparently, there's comments that like Stanford had reached out to him back in uh, when they were hiring uh when they hired shaw yeah and he was at boise state and you know peterson was somewhat receptive but i think maybe wasn't ready to change or something like that or they decided to hire shaw instead and so like has expressed some interest in stanford in the past um obviously has a long track record of success right yeah uh and obviously huge name recognition you talk about exciting the uh, alumni and like making a splash if Chris Peterson came out of the his semi retirement to coach that would be everyone would pay attention yeah this is like would, it's like Chip Kelly going to UCLA or something right, right. that would be that would be big news that would be big national news I think that would probably put us back put us in play for any recruits that had some sort of passing interest in in Stanford um you know a guy who won three conference titles at Washington and like won everything at Boise state, you know, that's going to, that would definitely grab attention if he's interested. Um, it seems like it could be a pretty good fit. You know, people can go and read more about it. I'm sure plenty is being, plenty being said, but we should continue on the list here because we don't want to spend all, uh, all of our conversation <laughs> just talking about how much we would like Chris Peterson to come and be our head football coach. Um, who else we got? Uh, so I think the the next name that I've been interested in that's come up a lot is uh, Dave Clawson, who is the head coach at Wake Forest. Uh, came up earlier in the season because of the slow mesh RPO that Wake no. Forest runs successfully that Stanford went and tried to learn from. Um, <laughs> he's been there for a while and has, yeah. you know, a school that I don't think of as being a football school at all has had. This is a, a hard job. Wake Forest uh, is a hard job. Yeah, it's uh, and that is and has had a lot of success there. Uh, I think he did he win the ACC there in the COVID year, maybe something like they, that. They not in the COVID year, but uh, in twenty twenty one, they uh, won the division and then uh, and they won the won the Gator Bowl. Uh, they finished with eleven wins, but that is by far his best season. Yeah. Um, you know, but putting up seven win, eight win seasons at Wake Forest pretty consistently. That's a hard job. That's really hard yeah. to do. So he's, a, uh, he's been there for since 2014, I think, something like yeah, that. So he's been right. there for a long time. So that is maybe like maybe he's not interested in going somewhere else, which um, I know there's a, other names thrown around that I think are in a similar boat of like, well, they've been successful. PJ Fleck, I know it. Uh, Minnesota, one yeah. of like, he's been successful, 
but it also doesn't really seem like he's going to leave. Yeah, he might be happy there, right? Um, yeah. So that's that. Dave Clonson, he's one that I think, you know, if we aren't getting Peterson or some names that we talked about later, that would be like of FBS guys that maybe we could poach and I would be excited about. I think yeah. he's up there. Um, <laughs> a name that I have seen suggested that sort of amuses me is Tom Herman, the former uh, former Texas yeah. coach who was fired after uh, going to five straight bowls or whatever, which <laughs> is not acceptable in Texas, but uh, is is acceptable in Stanford. Totally. He, Texas was not back enough for uh, for him to be for him to be kept. Yeah, he was fired. Um, and he had been, been at Houston prior to that, uh, including on, yeah. he was the head coach for that Houston team that won the Peach Bowl, went 13 and one, finished top 10. Yeah. Um, so uh, he's, uh, he went to school in California, high school and college in California. So that could be uh, intriguing. Again, we don't care that much about West Coast necessarily, unless it actually encourages people to yeah. to have interest in the job. I have no idea if he would be interested. Any no of idea. These, if any of them would be interested. No idea. And no idea if Stanford is actually interested in hiring them. Right. Um, but there is the that- bullet point here <laughs> that you saw <laughs> on his Wikipedia page. Apparently, he's a member of Mensa. So, you know, I don't know. Smart guy. <laughs> he gets sm- he, he understands smart kids. Yeah. High academic... Uh, academic chops um i think a lot of other name there are lots of other names thrown around of guys who have had sort of moderate success at schools that are maybe mid-tier schools um i think the uh jeff brome the purdue coach yeah so his name suggested is like i don't know is purdue a better job than stanford eh, no. probably don't pay as much as we were paying no. Josh. <laughs> no. um i think another one i've seen in lots of places is bronco mendenhall who was he was the coach at BYU for a long time, very successful there, coached mm-hmm. at Virginia for a few years and was okay, and then uh, actually stepped down from Virginia. I think he, like, not fired, maybe with similar situation to Shaw, though. Uh, and I think, I remember reading something that, like, in his press conference, he made it clear he wasn't retiring. He was just, like, stepping away from football for a few yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but a guy that, you know, coached at Virginia, which is... <laughs> Another school has some academic standards and not a football power. <laughs> yeah. Probably a harder job than Stanford. Harder job than Stanford. Um, yeah. And BYU similarly, like has, I'm sure lots of weird restrictions. About recruiting right. And stuff. Um, so like, eh, there's a, a lot of names thrown around from the, uh, of the former FBS coach or current FBS coach that. Yep. Maybe feasible. I think a few other uh, Mike Elko, the current coach at Duke, he's been there one year. Duke did pretty well this year. Went to Penn. I, smart, I guess. Smart. I don't know. Like, yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know how much any of that matters. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care if they're that smart. Just <laughs> win football <laughs> games. Yeah. Uh, and then Dave Aranda, who's uh, currently at Baylor, um, who's from yeah. California, has California connections. Um, Baylor's been, you know, decent uh, with him. He hasn't. He hasn't. Uh, struggled too much. They won the Sugar Bowl last year. Uh, they started out highly ranked this year, and then um, kind of have have struggled since then. Um, has not had any horrible controversies like his predecessor <laughs> oh, Taylor. No, no. Um, and he's he's forty six. Uh, so you know, kind of on the on the younger side. He's you know plenty of experience as, and he's also uh, comes from a defensive background. Um, so maybe that's interesting. I don't know about. Uh, poaching a guy from um, 
from Baylor. Baylor's like had some success in the last few years, but you know, maybe it'd What's be interesting. In Waco. <laughs> I basically all of these coaches I look at and like it should be easy for Stanford to get them. They live in a dump. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> the most universities are in crappy places. Yeah, Stanford's is, yeah, Palo Alto is pretty nice. Um, so let's uh, let's talk next about uh, guys who are in uh, FCS uh, or Group of Five. Obviously, the last time that Stanford hired from successful FCS level coaches, it was. Uh, uh, you know, catching lightning in a bottle. Jim Harbaugh had been at the University of San Diego and had had a couple of really good seasons. Um, and I think wasn't really that much on the radar uh, at the at the time that he was hired. It was kind of like I remember John Wilner saying it was a bit of a gamble, you know, hiring this guy. But like he had clearly won a lot of football games, even though yeah. it was at a lower level. But he was clearly doing something right, and then got like turning around the culture of the Stanford football program back in 2007 um, was like a challenge that he relished yeah. and he turned it around. Like that might be kind of where we're at right now. Can we find a guy who's had success at the FCS level as a head coach that can translate to being able to turn around our program? Yeah. Um, so who do we have, like, who have we heard yeah. maybe rumblings about? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're both on maybe the same page that like the, uh, I, I, I think personally, I would rather a guy who has succeeded at a lower level of college football than like yeah. a coordinator or a guy who's been okay at the FBS level. Right. Um, I think the obvious top name there is Troy Taylor, who's the coach of Sacramento State, who I'm, I believe is still on. Un- I think they're undefeated. Yeah, they've been winning the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, they are. Uh, let's see, they are eleven and zero, number two, um, Big Sky co-champion. They're going to be playing in the playoffs on December 3rd. Um, they're undefeated. Yeah, this is a good team. So that's, uh, I think he's, I think he's the name that like, obviously in California, may one downside of him, he's a Cal graduate. <laughs> so here's the thing. Is it a downside or is this like a really, really good troll if we hire Troy Taylor to be our head coach? There was lots of talk earlier this year that Cal obvious move by Cal fired Justin Wilcox hired <laughs> Troy Taylor and then Wilcox fired his offensive staff as we talked about back in the, the Cal uh our Cal episode uh so it'd be pretty great if we hired him I think we had the notes that I put down here are uh we have a pretty good history of former Cal uh Cal alum as head coaches because John Ralston was a Cal linebacker and was our head coach in 1971 and 72 when we won two Rose Bowls. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, uh, Jared Haas, our basketball coach <laughs> that we would both like fired is also a Cal, uh, went to Cal. So yeah. uh, maybe bad, but a <laughs> 50 uh, uh, year old history of it working out for football. <laughs> That would be that would really be something if we hired him and he's like great and we go back to beating Cal every year. Cal fans are just completely meltdown. Um, <laughs> another name that's come up is Jay Hill at Weber State. Um, he was at Utah as an assistant uh, for a long, long, long time under Whittingham. Um, and since he's since being at Weber State, they've won four conference titles in nine years. Um, I think that I forget where that name, where his name came up, maybe in ESPN or um, one of those. Yeah, something. Yeah, but he's he's had a lot of success there. Um, I believe he might be LDS. You know that I think that maybe helps uh, with that pipeline. Again, like not as important for us as maybe it would be um, for a school in Utah. Yeah. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, one, one other name that came out there as a, uh, group of five, uh, possibility would be Willie Fritz at Tulane, but it looks like he is going to be taking the Georgia tech job is the latest that I saw. So, um, that is, and he's one that we obviously Tulane has been very successful this year, and Tulane not a not an easy school to succeed at. Yeah, um, yeah. they weren't as great before this year, but if he takes the Georgia Tech job, good for him. Hope he yep. hope he turns around Georgia Tech. Yep, and beat Georgia one of these years. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a so along with the the FCS and Group of Five coaches, NFL coordinators, there are names that come up all the time there. I think the first one here, we didn't talk about him in our former Stanford guys section, but Greg Roman, former Stanford assistant head coach, associate head coach with Harbaugh offensive yep. coordinator. He's currently the Ravens offensive coordinator. I think he'd been at the Bills before that. Yep. Um, and Roman, so obviously very successful here. He's had very successful offenses in the NFL. Um, but like Fangio, that's his only college job was when yeah. he was at Stanford. Um, otherwise he's been an NFL guy. So it might be that he's just like not really even looking for a college job might not be the right guy for it, uh, in that sense. But in terms of his capability as an offensive guy, um, we only ever hear good things. So, um, that, that could be, that could be pretty great. He was in the running as I recall for, uh, the head coaching job, um, when Harbaugh left, the job went to Shaw, of course. Um, and, uh, so it's possible that, you know, maybe that, that bridge has been burned. Uh, obviously, as we've said before, we know nothing, um, but potentially different AD. Yeah. 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 Troy Walters is another name that we've got on here. Former, uh, Stanford wide receiver back in the 2000 Rose bowl. Um, he's sort of, he was on Scott Frost staff at, uh, UCF in Nebraska, uh, I think maybe both very, and Nebraska for one year, then moved yeah. to be an offense. So he was offensive coordinator there. Uh, now he's wide receivers coach uh, with the Bengals. So like, this is a guy that, all right, he's got a Stanford connection. I think he's one that like, he was very successful as an offensive coordinator, uh, at least, <laughs> at least in Florida. Um, I think like if he was hired as our offensive coordinator, I would be totally fine with that. Yeah. I think the jump to like, Oh, head coach now after sort of being a coordinator in college and then a uh, position coach in the NFL, I wouldn't be super excited about, but yeah, uh, as a Stanford guy, his name certainly gets uh, thrown around. Yeah. There's, <laughs> uh, a, oh, there's, there's another name who we didn't have written down here, but has definitely come up a few times is Dion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jackson State, but the the news came out today that apparently he's been offered the Colorado job. I kind of oh, yes. wonder. We got did, swoop in. Did they did they interview him or did they were they just like, hey Dion, do you want to come be the coach at Colorado? <laughs> I mean, man, if you want, like maybe hiring Dion Sanders would be the closest to hiring Jim Harbaugh. He's got like a bigger coaching profile now. He's at uh, Jackson yeah. at Jackson State. Jackson yeah. State. Yeah. Um, as that like, well, he's a uh, enthusiastic and the he will competitive and will make a big media splash and has not had success at very high levels of college football but he's had some success at low levels of jackson state's really good (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
and then there's the you also have on here uh i think it may be mostly as a joke uh but fbs <laughs> as of fbs uh coordinators garrett riley who's the offensive coordinator at tco under sunny dykes uh lincoln riley's brother uh so mostly that would be just for the the comedic effect i'm, I'm thinking of yeah uh, he's i mean he's been a successful uh successful coordinator yeah. they have a very good offense and tcu is really good uh so you know and maybe not out of their own possibility but mostly it would be maybe funny if he's like, maybe he's really <laughs> itching to to beat lincoln um i think another name that sort of falls in the coordinator uh category that we should mention is uh jim leonard who was the he was the interim coach at wisconsin uh wisconsin just hired luke fickle the former cincinnati coach uh was pretty successful as an interim coach uh at wisconsin after uh paul chris was fired i like some demon like mostly a coordinator experience but some demonstration of of head coaching yeah uh he has not been a coach for very long but he was wisconsin's defensive coordinator for the last basically five years five years yeah um and wisconsin's defense is has i think not been their problem in the last couple years right um and a defensive guy if we're looking to mix that up so i think that's a name that sort of thrown out there as a as a little bit and a wisconsin grad maybe a little pissed off at wisconsin well pissed off and also we don't have to worry too much about him getting poached by wisconsin uh (laughs) because he (laughs) just had the opportunity to be hired by wisconsin (laughs) and they didn't hire him so um yeah uh, that's uh that's intriguing um yeah i don't know there's a it's a a lot of names. We don't know anything. It's a lot of names. We don't know anything. I think, the, but I think like that these names have come up in discussions. A demonstration of the like. Yeah. We, obviously, yeah. we can pay plenty of money. I assume we're not going to pay one of them six million dollars with four million dollars of bonuses. I don't know. Uh, at least not we, to start. We might. Like, I don't know. If there's someone we really want, maybe we throw five million bucks at them. We certainly yeah. could. Yeah. If the, if the market indicates it, we might have to do it. I don't know. But yeah, the fact is that we could and we have we have paid that kind of money. So it can be done. Want, want to make a meaningless prediction of who you think we're going to get? No, I have no idea. I, like I was saying before, like before the BYU game, I was I think I was telling you, like I would bet a thousand dollars that nothing is going to happen and that we will have <laughs> the exact same staff. And then. I woke up on Sunday morning and we were shopping for a new head coach. So I'm not going to make any predictions. On we're so, this we're at so all. unprepared for this. Yeah. But man, I we, like the idea of Troy Taylor that he hasn't taken a different, nobody else has hired him yet. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty fun. Been. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that your prediction? You think I don't know. Maybe. Taylor? I don't know if it's my prediction, but I think it's what I might be most excited about. Assuming that Chris yeah. Peterson is not on, on on the option, although even still, I might be more excited about Troy Taylor. Yeah, it'll be pretty exciting. Like Sac State's dude, undefeated. He's been successful. Yeah, dude's been successful. I love I love the the troll <laughs> angle because like you know I don't think there would be really any worry that like oh we hire him and then he's like oh I'm gonna have a soft spot for Cal or whatever. Like these guys are or professionals. He's gonna, go, he's gonna like, leave us for Cal. Yeah, no, I, I, definitely not. Yeah, um, yeah, these guys are professionals. Like, and I I it's possible that he's going to wait out the Cal job or something, that that's the one that he really wants. But, you know, who, if- who waits out the Cal job? <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got for this emergency episode. Music by Super Dave. 
As always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Gate13Podcast, or you can send an email to Gate13Podcast at gmail.com. We're not going to bother with a season recap anymore, <laughs> given recent events, but we'll probably be back when we've got a new head coach. That's the most exciting offseason ever. 